Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everybody. So we're going to chat today about self-compassion. Last week we were talking, and at the end I told a story. I was with some students and I was joking with them, but they didn't know it. But I said, we're going to meditate for three hours. And um, they looked at me like I was crazy. And I w- at that moment I thought, oh man, if I would have said we're going to go dig a ditch or something, they would have been happier to do to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I was asking them, what exactly is it? Why, why don't you really want to sit with yourself? You know, I'm not saying that to do anything. We're just going to actually just sit. We're just going to actually be. What's so scary about that? said, if we sit here and I put a screen in front of you, you're going to be totally fine, right? We could watch a movie. No problem. But if you look inside and just, if you're just with yourself for three hours, to some people that is very scary. So why is that scary? Then I was at Inside LA for our facilitator training for the teachers, the teacher training up there, and Trudy was telling us about a story. It's in the New York Times. I looked it up. And in this study, they had people go into a room and just sit with themselves. And they asked him when they came out, how was that? There, there was no distractions. Although they had, they were able to bring in their cell phones and whatnot. They said, how was that? They said, I didn't like that at all. That wasn't good. In fact, some of them cheated. Some of them said, oh, I actually looked at my cell phones. You know? and, but it wasn't just, it, doesn't, it just wasn't young people. They did this with all age groups, and they all had a difficult time. And so then they shocked them. They gave them a little electrical shock. And they said, how was that? Was that awesome or what? <laughs> they said, no, I didn't like that either. They said, well, would you pay not to be shocked? They said, yeah, we would pay not to be, not to be shocked. They said, okay. They put him back in the room with the shocker. What do you think happened? They shocked themselves. (laughs) It's really sad, isn't it? When you laugh, it's very sad. It's funny, but it's sad. (laughs) Yeah. Rather than just being with themselves, they'd rather be distracted by something they don't like. How many of you can relate to that? I know I can. 
How many times did we do something just to distract ourselves, but we actually know it doesn't, it's not going to create sustainable happiness. In fact, on the other side of this activity, we might even feel worse. But we'd rather do that than just kind of hang out. Just our little vices, you know, like we're home alone or something, like eating bad food or <laughs> watching endless like TV shows on Netflix or something, you know, it's like these things are somehow distract us, but they don't feel good. Yet the saints and sages of all time just say, you know, know thyself. You're it. You're you're the most amazing thing that in existence. In fact, nothing else can give you what you already are. <clears throat> Yet we really can't sit with what we are because what we think we are, these little fragments that we're grabbing onto, this is what we think we are. We don't like what we see. We don't like the beliefs about ourselves. Our self-identity, which is comes up in, let's say, silence and stillness and meditation. Let's say we sit down and meditate, and these things come up. And it's a self-identification with, I don't like what I see. I don't like me. I don't like me. I don't like what I'm finding in there. And so it's this... It's this judging of our own suffering. It's this inability to take care of ourselves and actually hold ourselves in an entirety. And of, and of course, accept and love ourselves. We need to do that so we can get beyond this surface level mind. On the surface agitated level of the waters to see our own depth. You know, when those surface level things come up, we attach our self-identity to them and then judge ourselves just for that little piece that's arising, we can never really know what's beyond that. When we dive deep into the waters of self, what do we find there? When we abide in that state, how do we feel? Well, of course we could feel really amazing then, but can we even get over just the surface level stuff that's coming up, that's, that's arising? <clears throat> so there's a, an amazing uh, uh, amount of study that's been done in recent times on self-compassion, and it's been spearheaded by uh, Chris, Kristen Neff, and she's a professor at the University of Texas, and she's written books on self-compassion, and I really recommend you visiting her site, selfcompassion.org. And you could see some of the studies that she's done, and it's really amazing. It's really amazing to get our minds on board with how important this is. And a lot of the things that we're going to do today are based upon her findings. So when we talk about self-compassion, a great way to, to, to start this investigation is is how do we have compassion for others? So if we look at somebody who is homeless, for example, first, we need to have awareness, to have mindfulness. Let's say we see this person on the street, we need to actually be awake and notice, wow, look at this, this 
This is somebody who's struggling. So awareness, mindfulness, is the first component of compassion. And the second is some heart opening, right? There's some heart opening of the heart. So some kindness. Say, not only do I see that this is happening, that I care for this this person's suffering, opening up to that. And then the third thing, which Kristen Neff has uh, kind of laid out as far as step by step, uh, far, uh, as a way to, to look at this deeper, is to see the common humanity in this. The common humanity of suffering. That this person is suffering, but this person is just like me. That, you know, I might not be, I might be only a few steps away from that position, that situation too. The common humanity. And so with self-compassion too, this is really, really a beautiful aspect. When we have self-compassion and we look at our own suffering and we get open up to that, is that by connecting with that common humanity, we could have more compassion to others. That suffering is a part of existence. Obviously, without suffering, we wouldn't have happiness. That suffering is a part of all of our lives. So coming in contact with our suffering, we're more aware to be more compassionate. So this is something that we all share. And it's not only me. Because one thing that happens when, when we feel the suffering, we think we kind of feel isolated and we feel alone. Yet actually remembering common humanity, the, the common humanity of suffering, we could say, wow, I'm not the only one suffering. Everyone suffers in some way. So using those tools for our, you know, turn the, turning those around onto ourselves. So we have to be mindful of what we're saying and doing to ourselves. When we say these things, we have that, that self-critic, right? That little know-it-all that is really quick to point out all of our negative traits, maybe very slow to point out the positive ones. So we need to notice, wow, did I just say that to myself? Sometimes we say things to ourselves that we wouldn't actually even say openly to another person, but it's okay to say it to ourselves. Wow, did I just say that? And then to open up into kindness for ourselves, obviously, is the next step. So we have to expand to be able to hold it. And then again, like I mentioned, the common humanity of it. And sometimes we even judge ourselves for suffering. Oh, I should get over it. What the hell am I doing? You know, still suffering like this. Very harsh. So I'm going to read um, something from Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, and sending prayers to him. Bonnie, have you heard any any new information? 
So the last we heard, he's in the hospital suffering from the aftermath of a brain hemorrhage, but he's stable. Um, he was showing signs of recovery. Signs of recovery. So. <clears throat> When the mother hears her baby crying, she puts down whatever she has in her hands. She goes into its room and takes the baby in her arms. The moment the baby is lifted into the mother's arms, the energy of wisdom already begins to penetrate into the baby's body. The mother does not know yet what is the matter with the baby, but the fact that she has it in her arms already gives her child some relief. The baby stops crying. Then the mother continues to hold the baby in her arms. She continues to offer it the energy of tenderness. And during that time, the mother practices deep looking. A mother is a very talented person. She only needs two or three minutes to figure out what is the matter with her baby. Maybe its diapers are a little bit too tight. Maybe the baby has a touch of fever. Maybe it needs a bottle. Then, when the understanding comes, the mother can transform the situation immediately. It is the same thing with meditation. When you have pain within you, the first thing to do is to bring the energy of mindfulness to embrace the pain. I know that you are there, little anger, my old friend. Breathe. I'm taking care of you now. I'm going to read that last part again. When you have pain within you, the first thing to do is to bring the energy of mindfulness to embrace the pain. I know that you are there, little anger, my old friend. Breathe. I'm taking care of you now. See how this might be slightly different? than how we have been conditioned to treat things that arise like anger within us. You see the difference of non-identification? I I should say non-self-identification. How we are accustomed to when things arise saying, wow, I I have so much anger in me. I am so angry. See the difference here? And I love the word embrace. Embrace the pain. So no attachment, no aversion. Like no, no aversion, no pushing this away. Allowing it to arise and meeting it like you would a dear friend. Holding it like space would hold the billion, you know, trillions of stars, billions of galaxies. The space could hold it all. No self-identification. This is not me. I could open up. I can embrace this like a dear friend. Embracing it. So in that moment, it completely transforms. Right? We use mindfulness, love, and compassion. Whatever we look at disappears. Whatever we love melts away. Right? Until we love something, we cannot get... It cannot leave. Right? Until we could truly love something, it cannot go away. We cannot push it away. We can't will it away. We cannot anger it away. 
whatever we push away, we feed. Whatever we love can be allowed to, to go on its own accord. So one of the obstacles to this self-compassion is that we think that by being easy on ourselves, we're going to be slackers, like in some way. A lot of us. Of course, a lot of these things I'm saying are just being general, but in our culture, we think that we have to be hard on ourselves, go, go, go. And if the harder that we are on ourselves, the better that we're going to do, the more that we're going to achieve. And we all know achievement equals happiness. (laughs) So we're all going to be happier if we just push ourselves and don't let ourselves get away with anything. That's really going to make the difference. And of course, there's been studies done on this. This is just the basic level. Is it does positive reinforcement help or negative reinforcement? And in actuality, it is highly motivating for ourselves to to nurture and to forgive ourselves and to and to say things like, "Yeah, you know what? You might have made a mistake, but that's okay. I knew you were doing the best you can." And I think I really believe in you to do better next time. You know, Kristen Neff uses the example of of uh, a child coming home with bad grades. You know, if if the parent says, "Oh my gosh, I cannot believe you are that bad at math. That is just horrible. There's just no reason for that." They might get a, such a complex about math and just say, "Oh, you know, I must be horrible at math, and I don't I don't even want to." Even, I don't even want to try. But of course, if the parent says, I didn't know you were struggling that bad, what can we do to help? Can we get you a tutor? We, I know you must be good at math if you apply yourself. Let's give another try. There's such a big difference there. And, and bringing this in even to our meditation practice, you know, one thing that I hear over and over again is, is meditation is somehow falls into this category of, uh, of like a workout routine or something that we, we're good sometimes, or like a diet plan, like, oh, well, I'm doing good. I'm <laughs> failing now, and you know, I, I meditated three days a week, and then, and then I didn't, and I feel so bad about myself. And, it's, and we're missing the point. It's like meditation is a, a beautiful, amazing experience of just noticing self. And a couple of weeks ago, I said, like, if you really enjoy sunbathing, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be like, wow, I haven't sunbathed in like two weeks. I feel so bad about myself. You know, <laughs> if it's something that you really enjoy doing, it doing, it's it's not. It's something that we should be hard on ourselves. It should be like, oh, I'm just back. You know, we judge the judging. Don't judge the judging. We call this, you know, the second arrow teaching. Where the second arrow, we have an arrow come in that's suffering. And then... You know, we, we judge the suffering, like we judge ourselves for doing something silly. So this is, 
this is the second arrow. It's like instead of, let's say, if we miss our practice, like say we set a goal and we miss the goal, right? So if we feel this suffering arise, and then we're angry at ourselves that we did that. And so now we're angry that anger's there, or we're frustrated that frustration's there. And so in that, in that very moment, we could actually just hold it. We could just actually embrace it, like Thich Nhat Hanh says. We could actually, it's arising, it's here, it's already here. It's a brand new, fresh moment, and it's already here. There's nothing we could do about it. It's here. So when that anger comes, we could actually make more anger. Or we could just be with what is, just right there. Just hold that. You know? Just hold that. So sometimes we could feel this in our body. So if we all go out and then just do this with our hands, feel this. Clench your fists nice and tight. So what kind of feeling do you get when you do that? Hardness. Hardness. What else? Tension. What's that? Tightening. Tightening. Tension. Breathing tension. Tension. Now go ahead and open. Like that. How does that feel? Relief. Relief. What else? Softening. Ease. Ease. When I did this, I realized I was holding my breath when I was doing this. Oh, yeah, holding your breath. Breathe. Now, what if we just extended that out like that? I call this the Jesus pose. <laughs> <laughs> How's that feel? Opening. Inviting. Inviting. Embracing. Embracing. And there's free. Is it free? Free. Okay. And bring hands down. You know, part part of this self awareness part is obviously the body aspect that we do this in our body you know the, the, the fight or flight response is getting kicked in it's contracting you know but like the fight or flight response when we're dealing with ourselves it's we're we can't run from ourselves <laughs> we're actually bringing this fight or flight response on within ourselves ever have you ever thought of a thought that's actually not happening right now that gets you worked up uh, yeah <laughs> all the time right <laughs> you know the mind doesn't know the difference the same physiological things that happen the same physio physiological things will happen in the body even just by thinking you know we could test this out we could do it right now actually you take in your predominant hand and visualize a lemon wedge. 
in your predominant hand right now. You can close your eyes and visualize it. And then bring that lemon wedge to your mouth. You're about to fight and do it. What's happening? Yeah. I right. mean, when you said lemon, I already started the <laughs> sensations of it. There's no limit in your hand, right? And there's no saber-toothed tiger that's running after you. But our mind doesn't know the difference. What's programmed into our mind is very deep, very primitive, back to our reptilian brain, the fight-or-flight response. So all that prefrontal cortex, all that stuff does not get ignited, that really nice decision-making qualities of our more advanced brain. When we're in the fight or flight response, none of that is engaged. That's why longtime meditators have, you know, more gray matter in their brain because that that uh, portion of the brain in meditation is actually accessed more and more. And so, when we're in that fight or flight response, you know, the blood is rushing away from the prefrontal cortex. It's rushing away from our our digestive system. It's rushing away from our reproductive system. It's going into the large muscle groups of the body so we could outrun that saber-toothed tiger, right? But actually, this is supposed to be a short-term response. Just outrun that animal. Just save yourself. It's, it's for survival. It's not supposed to be taxed again and again and again. And then the hormones that are released, they call for, they call for sugars, they call for carbohydrates, right? Really fast energy. And when we don't use those up, because actually we're not chased at all, the body is still calling to replace those. So what kind of food do we want to eat after a stressful day? Comfort food, <laughs> carbs and sugars. Yeah. The body's literally calling for that. It's not a coincidence. Okay. So we're going to do something. We've done this one other time. But we're going to do something called a self-compassion break. And so this is, this is how can we actually take those three steps of, of being mindful, opening up to kindness, and remembering the common humanity. There's actually a practice that we could do called a self-compassion break that we could do pretty much any time that we feel that we need it. So first, we're just going to uh, investigate some physical postures that we could do. Now, we notice when, when something happens, we actually embrace ourselves. Like if something traumatic happens, you know, go like, oh, my God. And we go like this. Like someone, you see somebody grab their heart like when they see something traumatic. You know, we actually touch our, ourselves, right, to embrace ourselves. And so we're just going to go over a few different options of how we could actually caretake for ourselves physically. So the first one is just go ahead and put your hand on your heart. 
and just feeling into the tonal qualities of these as we go along. And then maybe adding the second hand. And then just uh, maybe reaching over and grabbing your shoulder. Not grabbing, but resting your hand <laughs> on your shoulder. And you can have the second arm. And then maybe practicing some things that we could do even in public without even people knowing or like in a class situation or something. Just, just, just holding your own hand, just grabbing your own hand, just holding your own hand. Let's see what it feels like when you bring the intention of holding yourself in this way, in a nurturing way. You know, thinking back of that, to that mother holding her baby. Holding yourself like that with that intention. Even if you're just slightly holding your hand. How does it feel to, to do that with that intention of caretaking for yourself? And so next we're going to think of a situation in your life that's causing you some stress, some anxiety, and maybe not choosing the thing that's causing you the most stress and anxiety. <laughs> it's like a practice. So we're not thinking, like not biting off more than we could chew. It's just, just, just for practice. But something that does cause a little bit of discomfort, maybe it's a slight worry, concern, maybe it's something that somebody said to you that you didn't feel comfortable with. But allowing your eyes to close and allowing that situation to arise in your body, in your mind. And then just with mindfulness, just allow yourself to say that this is suffering. And just mentally acknowledge that suffering is present. You may say something like, ouch, or this hurts, or this is stress. And then to remember 
that suffering is a part of life. Maybe think to yourself, I'm not alone. Other people feel this way too. We all struggle in our lives. And next, choose a physical gesture. Maybe the hand over the heart. And you can go ahead and do this now. Go ahead and put your hand over your heart or one that really suited yourself or even one that we didn't try. And then you could use some phrases and I'm going to say some phrases and if they resonate with you, fantastic. If you want to use your own, fantastic. So just mentally, you can say to yourself, may I give myself the compassion that I need. May I accept myself as I am. May I forgive myself. May I be strong. May I be patient. For the next few moments, maybe just ask yourself what you need to hear from yourself to feel cared for. Maybe you could add to these phrases whatever comes to you.
You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.